Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is, I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. I distinctly remember having a little bit of unsureness even then with registering as a Republican. And and my father said, well, you'll definitely want to register as a Republican Mm -hmm. so you can vote all the crazy people out in the primaries. This is Sarah from the left and Beth from the right. You're listening to Fancy Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. today's episode, we are going to talk with Representative Stephanie Clayton. Stephanie Clayton serves the 19th district in Kansas's House of Representatives. And we thought she would be such a fascinating guest because she was elected as a Republican in 2013, but announced that she was changing her party affiliation in December of 2018. So we're going to let her tell you that story and hope that you enjoy hearing about her journey. This is a good introduction because later this month, we're going to be diving into the history of the political parties a little bit and talking about what role they serve today. So enjoy our conversation with Representative Clayton. We are here with Representative Stephanie Clayton of Kansas. Representative Clayton, thank you so much for joining us. We're really excited to talk with you. Well, thank you. I'm excited to talk with you, too. So we've been talking about political parties, and you have a really interesting experience. You were elected to the Kansas legislature as a Republican and quite a few years in switched parties. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? What made you run for office and why were you initially a Republican? I know those are a bunch of questions, so I'll just be quiet and let you talk for a while. (laughs) All right. Well, I will do my best to keep it clear and concise. When I first registered to vote, I actually pre-registered, so I was not quite 18, but I 
filled out all the forms and I uh, I was taken down to the election office with my father, who I think he was advanced voting and something, and thought he'd go ahead and get me registered while we were there. And I distinctly remember having a little bit of unsureness even then with registering as a Republican. And, and my father said, well, you'll definitely want to register as a Republican mm-hmm. so you can vote all the crazy people out in the primaries. And that was basically from the age of, you know, 17, 18 on. One of the first elections that I voted in was uh, for the Senate election. It was a Senate primary between then sitting Senator Sheila Fromm, who was a moderate Republican who had been appointed to replace Bob Dole, who was running for president at the time. And she was being primaried by a name that might sound familiar to you all, Sam Brownback. Load. I did not know that was the origin story of Sam Brownback. Well, his origin story goes back a little bit further, but that was the origin of him getting into the Senate. And so my first vote that I made was for a moderate woman and against a conservative man. And so this has been a theme that is carried out pretty strongly throughout my life. I went to college at a small regions institution in Kansas. I was on a first in my family college student. So it was called Emporia State University. And I wasn't terribly active politically there. I was mostly just trying to get my education. And it was later when I got married and returned back to the Kansas side of the Kansas City area, where I still live now, that I wanted to get more involved in politics because I saw a disturbing trend to the right. And I thought, well, if I get more involved in the Republican Party and support moderate Republican candidates over some of their more extremist challengers, then I can make the world a better place. So I joined and then shortly after became president of the Johnson County Young Republicans. And I think a lot of people confuse young Republicans and young Democrats with college Republicans and college Democrats. Mm -hmm. When you think about YDs and YRs, these are people who are what we would categorize as young professionals. So like the cutoff age for young Republicans is 40. So now I'm too old to be that. And the cutoff for young Democrats is 35. So think of me about, you know, 20s when I started doing this. So the opportunity for me to run for state representative came up when my then state representative, Kevin Yoder, ran for Congress. And so the seat came open and I had a daughter who had just started, I think she was, uh, had just finished kindergarten around the time when I decided that I would run because there was a distinct decline in the quality of our public schools. And so I was sensible. I looked for where the source of the problem was. So I thought it might be the local school board. And I talked to them and they said, well, no, the real problem is in Topeka. That's Kansas's state capital with the state legislature. And so I thought, oh, well, okay, I'll just go there and fix it, you know, as one does. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, what, like it's hard. And so I I ran for office that first time in 2010, again, as a Republican. And 2010 was a very difficult year. That was uh, that was a Tea Party year, big Tea Party wave election, especially here in Kansas. And I was also very, very pregnant with my second child throughout that race. And so uh, quite predictable that a very pregnant moderate Republican is not going to win that primary. <laughs> so 
I lost that race, but then after reapportionment, I got drawn into a new legislative district. The then moderate Republican who held the seat was running for the state Senate seat, and she endorsed me. And so she and I worked together and campaigned together, and I won my election. What was interesting about the 2012 election was that during this time, Sam Brownback was governor. He was two years into his first term, and he actively campaigned against moderate Republicans in his own party and largely swept out all of the moderates in the Senate and most of the moderates in the House that were running as well. It was a bloodbath. It was that night there was an election party and it was all of the moderates in uh, Johnson County, Kansas. So again, this is suburban Kansas City. We were all at an election party that night and only three of us won. And so it was, uh, I was happy to have won, but it was also one of the worst nights uh, politically. And so, again, I stayed on for six years serving, and that's three terms. We have two-year terms at this level of office. So serving in the Kansas legislature in a environment that was mostly very, very hostile to moderate Republicans. But I think that moderate Republicans and moderate Democrats, for that matter, are essential to getting work done, especially in smaller state legislatures where you need that sort of center for negotiation. So that kind of leads me up a little bit to uh, December and where I was when I, you know, made that decision. I know you've heard this before because it's a very famous question. What's the matter with Kansas? Like, where was this hard right turn coming from? Was it just Sam Brownback's leadership? Was there cultural changes? Do you feel like it's indicative of some things that were happening other places in the nation? Why was it such a hostile territory for moderates? Are you familiar with the Summer of Mercy? No. All right. So this would have taken place the summer of 1991. So this was in Wichita, Kansas, so more kind of a south-central area of Kansas, uh, for you know, Wichita is the, the largest city in Kansas, although I think the population is higher in the Kansas side of the Kansas City area. But This was a summer of abortion protests near the abortion clinics in Wichita. It was highly politically charged, very dramatic. Lots of people doing some civil and not so civil demonstrations. And um, a lot of the sort of political impetus for this far right takeover, at least in Kansas, started there. So Mm. that is where I would pinpoint it. Absolutely. Wow. So you hung in through all of this with Brownback. And through the election of Donald Trump, Mm -hmm. what was the turning point for you? Well, what was interesting is the election for Donald Trump. I I remember that night because, um, well, you know, we're trying to forget, but I was sitting there watching all of the state returns coming in on the Secretary of State's website on my computer because I'm thinking, okay, if I count votes right, you know, maybe we can get to Medicaid expansion. Maybe we can have enough to do that. And News is looking good because that year, although it was very unfortunate nationally, in Kansas, we had some great wins for moderate Republicans. There were lots of Democrats who picked up seats. And so even though uh, Governor Brownback wasn't on the ballot at that time, it was still a very good year for Kansas politically. So I'm sitting there looking down, I'm counting votes, and I'm looking up and I see this large television screen and I see that Trump is winning all of these sort of, you know, Midwestern Ohio River Valley states. And I'm thinking, okay, 
I can't look at that now. I can't think about that now. I'm thinking about Kansas. And long story long, essentially, is that at the end of that night, we end up with um, a very dismaying scene nationally and a promising scene locally. So I was able to work a wonderful coalition with uh, moderate Republicans and Democrats, uh, primarily moderate Republican and Democratic women, to put forth tax reform. We were able to override Governor Brownback's tax plan, which uh, Mm -hmm. is similar to the Trump plan. So uh, I think a lot of times people think that everything happens last in Kansas. I believe politically everything happens first in Kansas. So Mm -hmm. what we're seeing with Trump nationally, we already did that here. Um, By the way, it's a bad idea. (laughs) So (laughs) what happened was that, of course, after many moderate Republicans, most of them women, put themselves on the line, didn't think about their political careers, but did the right thing for the state. And And they were targeted in their primaries. And in some cases, even after they had won the Republican nomination, the far right still targeted them in their generals, eroding their bases. So there were some who lost to Democratic opponents that might not have been that strong, but because they were under attack from their own party still in the middle of their general, they still lost. And so looking at a situation where Coalition building is very, very difficult, has become nearly impossible. You have a Speaker of the House and a um, Senate Majority Leader who are both from this sort of affluent suburban area of Kansas that I am fortunate to represent, where schools are king. You can campaign on just about anything, but if you don't care about public schools, they don't want you. And so that's that's the most important issue up here. But these two gentlemen who are in House Republican leadership in both the Senate and the House are saying, well, we're going to completely scrap our school funding plan and essentially push forward a plan that would push forth constitutional crisis and chaos in government. In the meantime, we have a moderate Democrat who gets elected as governor. To put this into some perspective, that when our current governor, Governor Laura Kelly, when she served as a senator, even though she was a Democrat and I was a Republican, she was to the right of me on some issues. Mm-hmm. So um, so it really is sort of a, a, a fluctuating line as to what party actually means. Uh, I ultimately decided to make the switch because the Republican Party made it very clear that they were the party of you know, against public education. And I wanted to be in the party of public education because that is why I ran. So it became, it got to this point where I could no longer be true to my voters or true to myself by staying in the party that was against public ed. So that is why I had to leave. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, 
H-E-L-P dot com slash Pansy. If you're looking for a very quick salon quality, but not salon priced manicure, Olive and Jean has you covered. We've talked about Olive and Jean's Manny system before. It has everything that you need for a professional manicure in one box, salon grade tools, your choice of six polishes. Those polishes are gonna last you for seven days or more. The cost breaks down to about $2 a manicure. Olive and June also has press-ons if you want. What I love though, is that Olive and June each season is coming out with new colors. And I just got a set of spring and summer colors in quick dry polish. And they say this dries in about a minute. It seemed dry to me in about 30 seconds. It was not kidding about being quick dry. I also love the light colors in this set. There is a huge range. My favorite one is called Kitten. It's like a pinkish gray. The quick dry polish gives you full coverage in one or two coats. It lasts for more than five days and it is offered in more than 40 cruelty-free and vegan polishes. Olive and June just understands what's happening in our lives, that we need to move quickly, but we want to look great and feel great and have fun in the process. Visit oliveandjune.com slash pantsu for 20% off your first system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash P-A-N-T-S-U-I-T for 20% off your first Manny system. Just finished A Court of Thorns and Roses and craving another fantasy world to devour? Dipsy's got you. Dive into spicy enemies to lovers' tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. were several other female, were they senators or representatives that also switched party along with you? Yes, two other senators. So one of whom is my senator. And so um, so our districts overlap. So did you guys talk? Were there conversations amongst you? Was their reasoning very similar that you just saw that the time of trying to change the party within was over? especially within the state of Kansas? I think that that was some of it, yes. You know, I have a, you know, have had a very close relationship with my senator for a number of years before I was even an elected official myself. She used to be a state representative with me. And so I knew that she was going to switch. And, you know, and frankly, I thought that this was a good idea because the Senate is a much smaller legislative body than the Kansas House is. There are 40 senators. There are 125 House members. And so I thought that she was making a good move. And frankly, I was pleased because I'm I'm her constituent as well as her colleague. And I felt that she would have more of a seat at the table and would be better able to represent me. Has that been the reaction of your constituents? Yes, that does appear to be the case. Some of them are, you know, not 
all of them were pleased. I've, I heard from about 11 of them that were not happy uh, with, you know, and it wasn't even so much the fact that I did make that switch, but it was the, the way that the way that that occurred because mm. it would have been, yeah, I think a lot of them would have preferred that I had switched prior to the filing deadline, but the filing deadline would have been June 1st of last year. And Kansas laws are very stringent. Uh, the only way you can make any kind of changes on a ballot once you filed is if you die. Um, mm. And uh, because I was not dead, uh, I could not make <laughs> that switch. So that's uh, so because of those stringent issues and just it was one of those things where I realized that it was it was time for me to go. And we have just finished our 11th week of the Kansas legislative session. And I can say that I have been much more able to move policy to still work with the same coalition of moderates and Democrats that I worked with before, but actually getting incredible results. We overthrew House leadership. Man, this was only last week. Uh, We overthrew House leadership that had done everything to even block a hearing on Medicaid expansion and through a series of procedural moves that are, you know, hadn't been accomplished in 20 years. This would be boring to anyone who's not a legislative nerd, of course, (laughs) but this was a stunning thing that we were able to pull off and we ended up passing Medicaid expansion. And now that is headed over to the Senate. And that was really an against all odds scenario. I want to ask you how you think about the usefulness of parties. I am still a registered Republican for the reasons that your dad encouraged you to register as a Republican at this point. Mm -hmm. I am very upset with where the party is nationally. I do not feel represented at all. I am very upset with where the party is in my state. When you're talking about Sam Brownback, we're familiar in Kentucky with a my way or the highway kind of governor. Oh, you Uh, have Bevin. We do. Oh, my gosh. He's an anti-vaxxer. Oh, he's awful. I'm so sorry. Every time I see him trending on Twitter, I just say, like, what now? We do appreciate your sympathy, though. I'm just a private citizen, right? I'm someone with no aspiration to run for office. And so Mm -hmm. I think to myself, isn't my best service to the country insofar as I do any to stay in the Republican Party and at least cast a vote for a more moderate candidate where I can? That seems like a really different analysis, though than someone who is actively serving in a legislature trying to get stuff done. So I just wonder if you think that we should all conceptualize the role of parties differently and how you think about it where you sit. Actually, this is really fascinating. Now, I after I made my switch, I got a lot of interesting contacts from constituents who said, Okay, finally, you've left. Now I can leave. The only reason why I stayed was to vote for you in primaries. I had, you know, gosh, I was just dropping off a latte for my high schooler at her, uh, you know, at the school secretary. And she said, well, you know, I, I left the party because, you know, again, you know, she said, you always made me feel so good because I could cast this bipartisan ballot. And she's like, and that reason has left. And Mm. so I hear that a lot. It shocks me how much I hear it, actually. But it's it's interesting because if you talk about the concept of strategic voting, I think that that really does get a lot of people's hackles up because I was very much raised with the concept of, yes, you stay in the Republican Party, you do everything you can to vote against the crazy people so that 
when you do get that ballot in the general election, you can choose between a Republican who's normal and a Democrat who's normal. And then, you know, it's like, you know, choosing between your two favorite desserts, right? As opposed to, I don't know, like a can of uh, unheated cooked spinach that has expired and dessert, you know? So it, it kind of ups your odds for better representation, right? So that's one way to put it. But then again, I have not always practiced strategic voting myself. I took, I can say this now because the election's over, but in the Republican primary, the gubernatorial primary, we had a truly terrifying candidate, Chris Kobach, who was our secretary of state. And, you know, if you've heard of him, that's, uh, Mm -hmm. you can see why I would not want him to win. And then we had our current governor who was Governor Brownback's lieutenant governor, And I had a good personal relationship with him. He was a nice guy, but I disagreed with him on almost all of his policy issues. I think you can work with people without agreeing with them, and especially you should when you're in the legislature. But when it's you in your private moment in the ballot box, you know, in that voting booth, is strategic voting necessarily the best thing to do? Because what I ended up doing was I cast a ballot for neither of those people. I cast a ballot for the moderate Republican who didn't have a chance in, you know, in winning that at all. But I voted with my heart. And then it was truly frightening because I I did end up regretting that a little bit because our Republican nominee was none other than Chris Kobach. And so Mm -hmm. I found myself, you know, sweating a little bit thinking, oh man, what have I done? He might become governor. I made this much more likely by voting with my heart. But then again, uh, obviously, Kansas overwhelmingly supported Laura Kelly for our governor, thank goodness, because she's done a wonderful job. And, you know, she is, even Democrats, you know, you think about Democrats nationally, but Democrats in Kansas, even the more liberal Democrats in Kansas are are pretty, are pretty chill or pretty, uh, you know, close to the center. Mm-hmm. So, but yes, I mean, so that's sort of my own personal dilemma. I think I think that it is a tremendously personal choice, and I don't know what the voting registration laws are like in your state. We cannot switch parties after the filing deadline, even as voting citizens. That's one of those things where, okay, it would make sense if you could see your ballot before you could switch. I mean, I think states with same-day mm. voter registration, you look and see where you can do the most good, and that's what I would recommend. But when you have states with hard voting deadlines like we do here in Kansas, it's difficult because, again, we had a very crowded primary for both governor and for the congressional seat up here. And so we had a lot of people who switched to the Democratic Party because they felt that they were able to do more good there. So as you can see, it's a more convoluted discussion when you talk about do you vote with your heart or do you vote you know, with a cold, pragmatic strategy? Because sometimes one works, but sometimes it doesn't. And it's really a case-by-case basis. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. 
And we were discussing the fact that I am 43. And she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code PANTSUIT at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Well, I think that this happens much more on the state level than on the national level, the party switching in these sort of thought processes, even as voters. I mean, my personal state senator, former state senator, switched parties three times. He went from Democrat to Republican to independent. So that happened. I think that happens. My question is beyond the strategic thinking of how you're going to vote or how you're going to register, what do you see as the benefits of the party? You know, was there any training for you? You said your state senator or the Young Republicans recruited you. So you were very active in the sort of party structure. But, you know, when a party's working against itself, when it has a, when it's sort of taken over by this ideologic faction, because that to me is always the risk of parties, is that it is it is the home to ideologues often, especially like even locally. People who are going to dedicate their time to it feel very passionate and, and you have a risk of sort of more extreme voices and opinions in the party structure, not just in the group of voters that identify as that party, but in the like actual activists and people working within the party. Do you still feel like the party serve a good purpose in that role? 
Let's see. I think at least to a certain degree, if we're looking at it from that sort of like 30,000 feet view, and this is uh, this is not an easy thing for me to admit uh, because of all of those years I spent as a Republican when I said I'm a Republican, but I'm not one of those people. I'm different. Mm-hmm. And here's why. But I think that at that large, you know, that kind of big picture view, it does make more sense for personal identity to say, oh, well, I am a Democrat because I believe in the things that are on the Democratic Party platform. I mean, it really hit home when I started seeing the, you know, when the state Republican Party platform was, you know, was updated more and more and got further and further to the right. And I would look at it and think, oh, no, I only agree with two things on there. And I agree with 10 things on the Democratic Party platform. So I think if you look at party platforms and those sort of vision statements that the parties make, I think it does make sense to align yourself with the party who most reflects your personal value system, right? But as far as functionality of parties is concerned, it's that's a little bit more problematic because of course I see parties offering training and having, you know, events and watch parties and fundraising and breakfast and stuff like that. But what was funny is that when I made my switch, there were lots of people um, who, you know, the news went national. And I thought, what? Why would anyone care what some random state representative in Kansas does? It's like, I am so small potatoes. It blew me away. But what was interesting was what I would hear from a lot of people from out of state who would say, oh, she took all this money from the party. And I started laughing out loud because, oh, my God, no, they never right. gave me any money. They didn't want me there. Uh, Mm -hmm. In fact, the amount of money that was spent probably by the party, now officially they can't play in primaries, but come on, if there's a loophole, they'll find it. And I know that they did. You know, so no, I never got money from the Republican Party. It remains to be seen if if the Democratic Party uh, will. Um, I haven't gotten any yet because it's, you know, it's illegal for me to get money right now because um, in Kansas, our ethics clause, you can't get any donations during the legislative session, uh, mm. which it's a good rule, by the way. Yeah. But in any case, so, you know, I really I don't know if the Kansas uh, Democratic Party or Johnson County Democratic Party apparatus raises money or gives money to candidates. I guess I could look at the financial reports of other candidates and see if they did, but I don't know if they'll give it to me. So when I made that switch, I wasn't thinking, oh, I'll get all this party money and this party help. To me, it was much more of a, I can't stay here. This is not who I am. And I, I, you know, honestly, one of the best things about it is that I felt like I was a Republican, but I'm not one of those. I'm not like Mm. that. It being able to free myself from explaining constantly. I I don't Mm. have to explain as nearly as much now. I just, it's a given that I do what I do. Do you believe that there is a path forward to a Republican party that you would be proud to be part of again? And if not, what do you think the alternative is? Because something I say to people all the time is like, we're not going to get to a United States that is well represented by one party. I don't think any of us should even want that. So where do we go from here? Parties are cyclical. We have looked at the history of political Mm -hmm. parties just in the United States alone. Remember how the Republican Party used to be the party of Lincoln? I mean, none of us were alive then, but it's, you know, it also used to be the party of unions and Mm -hmm. people like Eisenhower and hell, even Reagan would be considered too far 
to the left now. Mm -hmm. And so if we look at how much things have changed in that way and how much things have changed for the Democratic Party as well, then it stands to reason that they will change again. Will the Republican Party be a party that I can be proud of again? Possibly. But I think that it will be, I don't know, probably 90 by the time it happens. It will be a long time from now. And it might not even happen in my lifetime. Representative Clayton, thank you so much for spending time with us. I think this has been really helpful. Thank you. I enjoyed the discussion. And thank you for taking the time to to talk to me. This was great. Thank you so much to Representative Clayton for joining us. Before we sign off today, we want to let you know that we're going to be at my home church, Florence Christian Church is the Disciples of Christ Church in Florence, Kentucky on April 27th to talk about the unique role that faith communities can play in facilitating grace-filled political conversations. So if you are in the Northern Kentucky or Cincinnati area, we would love to see you there. April 27th, you can get tickets by going to eventbrite.com and searching, I think you're wrong, but I'm listening book discussion and workshop. We'll also put the link in the show notes. We hope everybody has a fabulous weekend. Keep it nuanced, y'all. Dylan Garvin produces Pantsuit Politics every week. Thanks for making us sound better, Dylan. Elise Knapp is our managing director, which means we could not make it without her scheduling, organization, feedback, and creativity. Thank you, Elise. We couldn't make Pantsuit Politics without support from our listeners. Go to patreon.com slash pantsuitpolitics to learn how you can receive more nuance and help us make the show. Special thanks to our executive producers who have committed to supporting us in a major life-giving way. Tracy Putoff, Tim Miller, Cherry Haas, Sarah's husband, Nicholas Holland, and my husband, Chad Silvers. Our theme music is composed and performed by Dante Lima. The music under our ads is composed and performed by Dylan Garvin. Learn more about our lives, live events that we're involved in, and what we're reading each week by signing up for our weekly newsletter at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. And connect with members of the Pantsuit Politics community by following us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.